Saxonites and rat catchers. Pull on your multicolored tights. Peddle your unique talents to the desperate but tight-fisted townsfolk. And watch as their jubilation turns to horror in the face of your bizarre mode of justice. Oi, oi, because it's time to talk to me. Welcome back. I am Omen Said. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Momes. And this is the collaborative effort that is Talk Tell to Me. Yes. Once upon a time in the misty and magical land of the late 1960s, we little Ian, the youngest son of a boiler fluid company president, <laughs> voyaged to the mystical city of Lutton to seek his fortune. One day, his agent told wee little Ian to go to the market and sell his guitar and bring back a can of stew. However, along the way, he met a mysterious traveler who sold him a magic flute. Bury this flute in the ground, he said, and in the morning you will see an enormous flute stalk growing to the sky. Wee little Ian's agent was furious when he saw our hero come back without a can of stew. But the next morning, there was the magic flute stalk reaching up through the clouds. What happened next? Well, that's what we, Nick and Omen, the, the Momes Grim, are here to tell you. Every adventure and album, every flute leaf a song, we will follow our hero up the flute stalk until we have climbed through every piece of music that prog rock band Jethro Tull ever released. Did they live happily ever after? No, they, they did not. <laughs> <laughs> we well, it wasn't, even, wasn't even open-ended there it was it's a definitive no. <laughs> just so you know this is not a story with a happy ending or a moral oh great okay I, every now and then you need just kind of cotton candy for the brain and Indeed. talk tall to me is nothing but <laughs> no nutritional value mm-mm Nick, what have we got on our plates today? Well, before we dive into our song of the day, of the week, yes. we've got some correspondence. But before that even, I want to go back a couple of weeks. Whoa. Do we need to get into our time machine, our tall time machine? Uh, sure. I think we've done this once before. Oh, we won't give We are back about two weeks, I think, if I remember correctly. I just okay. want to apologize to Jenny D. She is the one who introduced us to Horse Lips, not Doc Savage. Doc Savage has been a plethora of information, but credit goes to Jenny D for Horse Lips. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Jenny D. Thank you, Horse Lips. And thank you, Doc Savage. Let's go back a week ago. <laughs> Ed, a Rush podcast. I said that I wanted to do the math to see the span of time that it would take to do a, a Rush podcast. So okay. Rush has 165 tracks, just studio albums, not breaking up the really long prog songs that are like 20 minutes long. Sure. So if we start Ramble Rush to Me the week after Talk Tall to Me finishes. Oh, my God. That would be... 
10.29.24, it would go all the way until 12.21.27. If... If we wait 19, for the, sorry, 2027? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. If we wait for the new year, if we end on 102224 for talk tall to me, give ourselves 2 months to recover. So if we start on Thursday the 2nd of January 2025, we wouldn't end until the 2nd of March 2028. And if we do yeah, our most recently discussed podcast, Snipe Snoop to Me, in which we discuss every track on which Snoop Dogg has ever collaborated. Oh, my God. We will be 97 years old by the time we finish, in which time Snoop Dogg will only have aged one month. That's right. He is so preserved from cannabis that he does not age. <laughs> Don't get him near an open flame. Oh, gosh. Everyone would be high. So, Nick, thank you for those corrections, those time machine fixes. We, we, have, we have altered the timeline, and now who knows what we'll come back to in the present. We've gone back and fixed it, yep. But uh, we also have some paperwork, some housekeeping. In Marley. Oh, oh thank, thank you. Oh, thanks, thank Marley. You so, thank you so much. Uh, I'm sorry, Mary, what, are you, what, are you, what have you got? What, are, what have you got in your hand? It's a new type of broom I invented. Oh. Right, that, wow. I, I, I don't want to be critical, but that's clearly just two skunks on the end of a of a canoe paddle. Yes! Ah, it's my latest invention. I, it, is it more effective than a regular broom? It's way less effective. I less would think effective. so, yeah. yeah. Just rubbing skunk all over. But it gets your heart racing. Yes, okay. <laughs> Boy, she's... She's become a, like an adrenaline junkie lately, and I'm a little concerned. Yeah. Omen. It's one. Of, it's one of her New Year's resolutions. Oh my! Oh my God! Oh, oh. there's only one skunk left attached to the. Th- oh. Me. Okay. Let me just shut this door here really quick. Okay. That's Oof. that's going to be an unpleasant surprise when you find that other skunk. <laughs> yes. Let's see. Okay, so we appear to have here a missive from the distant lands. Yes, we have a. A lovely email here from Abu Jethro bin Moms. Hello, hello. Thank you for writing in again. Subject line, March really is mad. Dear Moms, I'm actually a very big fan of March the Mad Scientist, and I think you might have missed a few points about the lyrics. Undoubtedly, that is true. Yeah. To me, March is someone who's fallen from grace, perhaps who used to be an amazing scientist, but is perhaps now suffering from mental illness. I mean, one could make the point that being a scientist is a form of mental illness, but and and I can say that because my parents are scientists. All right, now he continues. Check the lyrics. What would you like for Christmas? A new polarity? Is he bipolar? You're binary and desperate. Parentheses, you are binary as in split in personality, question mark. The change of fate and the fate of change that slips into his pocket. Parentheses, change of fate. He used to be great. Now he's having loose change slipped into his pocket. Parentheses, question mark. Reverse those. Just my thoughts. Keep it up. Abu Jethro bin Moms. Thank you so much. I like it. Abu. Yeah. You know, I think there's something, I think there's something there, yeah, that the, you know, the scientist described in the song is, 
has almost compartmentalized themselves into into various sections in order to more effectively do their work or maybe because of their work? Why not? Yeah. It's also one of those songs that is obscure enough in its lyrics that I think it can support multiple interpretations. And I think that one is as valid as anything we discussed on the podcast. Yeah. As valid, if not more so. Yeah. In- indeed. <laughs> Oh, so thank you, Abu Jethro bin Moms. Keep writing in. What have we got next, Nick? Another email from Jeffy B. Pretty poignant on this one, timing-wise. He says, Happy New Year. Just a quick note. I heard some of the Too Old remix on Spotify the other day. Hmm. The album was never my favorite, although a few songs stuck with me through the years, including Pied Piper and Quiz Kid. Interestingly, hmm. the remix really added life to most of the songs on the album. And it seems that the vocal tracks are either different from the original album or Wilson enhanced in some way. Especially on Quiz Kid, it seems like a different vocal versus the original. Anyway, I was impressed with the remix. The album will remain in my bottom third of Tull albums, but it may have gone up a few slots with the remix. All the best. Have that as a little bit of of a public service announcement. If you're listening to Too Old to Rock and Roll, maybe it would be better if you listen to the remix. That's right. Put that in your venom sack and inject it into something which is attacking the hive. <laughs> thank, thank you, Jeffy B. And your buzzing. <laughs> Greatly appreciated. And we are going to have a new segment here, I think. It is time. They are stylists. They're very overtly concerned with the uh, image. That is our Instagram sting now. Love it. We have, we've been, I've been getting some more correspondence on Instagram, one of whom is Shire Seeker, who is our feckless mom, by the way. Yes. She said, this is in response to a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was Quiz Kid, Mm -hmm. we talked about the correlation of Quiz Kid in regards to the musical Tommy. Right. And we said, oh, it, it couldn't have been it couldn't have been inspired because Tommy wasn't a musical, wasn't a stage show until the nineties or, or early two thousands, I think. Until later, yeah. Shire Seeker pops in and says, just to pop in regarding the Tommy angle, the film was released in nineteen seventy five. What? Yeah, ah, interesting. So I, I guess there was something in the in the air at that time. It's possible, yeah. It was pollution. There was also, I think, a tendency <laughs> for bands to maybe, you know, make something more out of their work than than just a you know a collection of songs. Obviously, you know, that the whole prog movement is kind of about that. An expansion, yeah. And uh, I, I said, thanks, feckless mom. And she says, I'm thinking of getting F-K-L-S-M-O-M, feckless mom, as my license plate. <laughs> and I said, oh, that is that is unadvised dedication. And she says, it might be misinterpreted, could cause a yeah. stir in the school parking lot. And I said, valid and wholeheartedly supported. Yeah. You know, I, I think live your life if, yeah. if that is how you want to express your love for this podcast and to thoroughly confuse all of the, the faculty <laughs> of and the students, people, all the faculty, faculty <laughs> students, then yes, live your best life. Absolutely. Interesting note, Nick, the, the sting that you have is from an album of interviews, someone interviewing Ian Anderson. Mm-hmm. The album is entitled 
1984 Revisited. It looks like it was released in 2016. It is available on Spotify. It's got some interesting interesting little tidbits on it. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Kind of talking about the early years. Yeah, it's there are there are two albums on Spotify that are just interviews with Ian. If you really look into Deep Dive, which I imagine most of our listeners are at this point, yeah, those are some good resources for you. Yeah. And then finally, one more conversation from Instagram, one more correspondence. This is a musician himself named Joe from Instagram. Oh. He's working backlog right now. He is in, I think he just finished or he's about halfway through Benefit. Right. This is to go back even further. He says, you guys mentioned that Look Into the Sun had an energy despite being a laid back song. Mm. I think a lot of that has to do with the meter changes. It's a nice bit of trickery. On the whole, it lulls you into what feels like a mellow swinging six count, but the meter changes provide tension that your body can feel, even if you're not actively recognizing them. Yes, that is so perceptive, and I'm so glad that you brought that up. You know, one of the one of the ways in which, one of the many ways in which Nick and I are lacking in our in our uh, authority to have this podcast in the first place is that neither of us are musicians. I mean, I, 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 we both have dabbled with music. I played music for some time, but I never really learned the theory behind it. And, and so it's really, we really appreciate any time that someone points out the obvious to us like that. Yeah. And, and, and you're absolutely right. It does have that, like you said, the tension that is produced by the changing back and forth of the meter. That's really great. More meter fun again with deceptive sixes. I think part of living in the past's success was that its five count was cutting a beat from a six rather than adding a beat to a four. Mm. Again, it had a swing to it. One, two, three, cha-cha. That the quarter note pulse is held also makes it easy to nod your head to and not get thrown off. Similar to what the Beatles did with All You Need Is Love, the odd meter is unobtrusive, almost like a cool turnaround rather than a proper five count. Just to cover my musical cred but, All You Need Is Love is in seven, where Living in the Past is in five, so there are concrete differences, but the overall effect is similar. Wow. And if you have a degree in calculus, you can break that down for us even further. <laughs> and finally, he he got to me when he made it into benefit. Oh, okay. I think nothing to say was his response to those people who he had little time for, expecting him to be some sort of counterculture role model because he was a famous rock star, a relatively intellectual one at that, yes. and it was another grievance aired on an album filled with them. Just because I have a name, well, I've got nothing to say. As for if I were to share it with you, you would stand to gain and I to lose, I read that as a matter of consequence. As a public figure, he would be the one raked over the coals by those who disagreed with his views. The fans could go along on their merry way in obscurity, relatively consequence-free. That's a good point. You know, a lot of what the interview album 1984 revisited a lot of the themes that are spoken about are the kind of Ian's awareness of being in the spotlight and his discomfort with it to a certain extent or his thoughts about that, you know. I like it. Yes. Very perceptive. I like it. I like those interpretations. Yeah. Yeah. Very much appreciated. I can't wait, Nick, until we we record the next podcast. Talk back tall to me. (laughs) 
where yeah. we re-review, where we listen to each of our episodes and critique them. Yeah, it's, I mean, our fans, our Tall Skulls are doing it for us. So That's it's, true. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. It's like the second line in a New Orleans jazz parade. <laughs> Just response, that response effect. Yeah, exactly. There's the mainstream and then the, the thing that's going down the street. And then there's the second line of everyone dancing on the side of it, which is, you know, maybe more interesting than what the band is actually doing. And in, and in any case, forms a kind of dynamic symbiosis effect. Yeah. Yeah, that is I think that is the monster that we have created with Talk Tall to me at this point. Yeah. I, all I wanted to do, Nick, was catch some beads and look at us now. Show your your ample bosom. Covered in syrup. <laughs> is that a Mardi Gras thing or is that a you thing? I I just was messy with my breakfast. Okay. <laughs> messy waffles. Okay. <laughs> so, Nick, is there anything else that we have to cover before we get into the main course of this uh, episode? No, I think we are we are well on our way. I think we've we've made a nice dent in correspondence. There are more to come for all of you who've written in. Where I'm trying to cover everybody while still have while still having time for the actual episode. For those of you who yes, do indeed. not find correspondence terribly thrilling, I apologize. You can always zip along and, and try to skip through it if you want. But I, I'm, I'm trying to put in the really meaty stuff, the stuff that is building upon what, what we have laid as a foundation. I'm, I'm redacting praise. And boy, is that a lot of redaction. For those of you who dislike correspondence, you would have hated the 1800s. <laughs> Just, Literally just all writing. it was to do. It's just all writing. That's all it was. Yeah. So, Nick, with all that out of the way, what is the song which we have the pleasure of talking tall about today? We are on our second to last track off of Too Old to Rock and Roll. It is the song Pied Piper. Pied Piper. That is exciting. Well, Nick, shall we take a bite of that delicious Pied Piper? Delicious. Let us let us pipe it into our ears. <laughs> Let's have a listen. Now if you think Ray blew it, there was nothing to it. They patched him up as good as near. You can see him every day riding down the Queen's Highway, handing out his small cigars to the kids from school. Well, Nick, there we have the song Pied Piper. Yeah. Yeah, there there we do have that song. Yes. <laughs> How long is it, Nick? How many minutes? It is four, about 4.30. About four and a half minutes. You know, that's about how long it feels. <laughs> For once, they do nothing with the the temporal field around this song, and it feels feels about as long as it actually is. It's the end of the album. They Their chronoton particle generator broke down. Yeah, yeah. They had to fix it. They couldn't get the parts to, to Monte Carlo. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk musically. What, do, what have we got? What are your first musical impressions of this? A lot like Too Old, the, the song. I, I really love this musically. Yeah, it's so well composed. It is, including Ian's voice as an instrument. Uh, lyrics aside let's talk about the voice so there are there's an echo effect mm-hmm. on his voice for for a lot of it mm-hmm. they patched him up as good as near 
And there, there is a doubling up as well. He sings the bass and higher. Right, uh, on the chorus. Mm-hmm. There's also even some more extreme echo effects sort of midway through the lyrics when he sings, so follow me. The yes, echoes, so yeah. follow, 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 follow. So follow me. Yeah, I I like what they've done. It's so hard to separate this out from the aspect of the musical. So that's that's coloring and tweaking how I feel about it. But I I I love this song. If if we pull it out and look at it individually as as its own unit, sometimes it feels. It feels cruel what we're doing, Nick. You know, it's like in science class when they tell you to dissect the frog. You're like, well, isn't a frog already a whole entity? Why do I have to dissect it? Yeah. Yeah, no no frogs gave their lives for this song, but maybe maybe the individual meaning of this song has suffered for the whole of the science class that is talked all to me. <laughs> I think that my brain has suffered due to this metaphor. Yeah, that was. I, I tried to make it fit in there. I tried. One of the impressions that I have from this song musically, again, you know, keeping in mind that we can't separate it from its context entirely. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of that echo effect, but also because of the way, going back to the idea of the meter, mm-hmm. it feels to me like the sort of thing that I could really imagine in a stadium. Oh, interesting. It, it has okay. that kind of big effect where you know everything everything comes in 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 neat layers that build upon one another mm-hmm. that you could really I can really imagine this song taking up a huge space. Yeah. There is that theatrical aspect of a spotlight hits a person as the song itself builds as well. Totally. It starts with just Ian and the guitar. Yep. The 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 first couple lines, and then it builds from there into into a huge mm-hmm. ensemble piece. Yeah, I mean John's bass comes in after that really nice bass, and then then after that those couple lines, Barrymore's little drum fill into his part is is so cool. I I physically gasped. I don't know if you heard me when he came in. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and and then we get piano um, coming in. We get Martin's electric. The strings come in. It's it. It is one of those. They do it so well at this point. It's yeah. I don't want to say they overuse it, but they do it so darn well of just that build up, that build upon that structure, that 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 backbone of Ian's acoustic. And I do think that you know we haven't listened. Full disclosure: we have not listened to every single rock and roll track that came out in the 1970s. But I do think that, you know, anecdotally, when I listen to other bands from that era, they're not as neat. They're not as well composed. It does. It certainly doesn't feel that way. Thinking about all of the, I mean, we don't know the the dates that all of the, the well-known classic rock songs came out. But I mean, you can think about, think about Aerosmith, think about ACDC, think about all of the stuff that came out around this time, save Rush and Zeppelin, things like that. Those, but those even really Rush, s- even Rush isn't as, as super well composed in the same way. I mean, all the other rock bands, they have their other virtues. That's true. I mean, Rush is just a three-man band and has always been a three-man band. So they have they're bringing in a different sound. I mean, the best composure sure. you can get out of that is Neil Peart's like 3,000-piece drum set. 
Gotcha. But other than that, like, yeah, I, I mean, Tull had a lot more to to physically and therefore sonically work with. Yes, totally. To zero in on one of those little aspects, if you listen to the John Evan organ, mm-hmm. there's this wonderful little three note doom 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 that he does. Mm. So follow me, trail along my leather jacket's buttoned up, and my four-stroke song will pick you up. He also has he has an echo effect. Martin's electric has a super warbly effect on it. Yeah. The resonance, the reverb on the organ, the warble on the electric, the echo on Ian's voice, it all has this dreamy, fantastical feel to it. Yes, as if you are maybe waking up or as as Mm -hmm. if... or. Perhaps as if you are being enchanted by the by the rugged manliness of Ray Lomas. Yeah, that's that's how I feel it is. I feel like he has returned. He, but he is he is something extra special now. He is touched by his interaction with the afterlife, however that may be. Like Odin, he has sacrificed his body on the. The, the great motorcycle tree of life. And he has been granted the, instead of ultimate wisdom, he has been granted ultimate grungy sexiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is a ruggedly handsome hero at this point. Not a washed up has-been. He's gotten his divine mojo back. That's it. That's it. And he never really lost it. Why don't we take a little detour before we get into lyrics, Nick? Why don't we, why don't we detour by way of the... Album art cartoon. Mm, yes, let's revisit that. Rather instructive. What do we got? Nothing more entertaining than hearing someone describe a cartoon on the radio. <laughs> a strip cartoon, no less, not an animated cartoon. Oh, no. So when we last saw our hero, he was crashing his motorcycle, going around Dead Man's Curve. Mm-hmm. And it's and that was the that was the panel that was like the only use of red in the panel outside of the title tracks. Right. So then we see him in the, the you know we see him in the hospital all all bandaged up and the doctor is saying he was too old to rock and roll but too young to die. The next panel says meanwhile there erupts on the pop scene a new supergroup and it shows a rock band uh, on the program Top of the Pops and mm-hmm. they all look like. Rock and roll greasers. Mm-hmm. The next panel, Ray is coming out of the hospital. It says, at last, Ray comes out of the hospital to find, and he looks around at all these people wearing leather jackets and tight jeans, and he says, blimey, they look like me. <laughs> so in the time that he was in the hospital, there's been some kind of cultural fashion revolution. Yeah, it returned. It, it went full circle. Yeah, exactly. Then the next panel shows him walking by a what is clearly a schoolyard. It literally, you can see part of the sign that says school in the background. And there's some uh, um, inadvisably aged young blonde woman <laughs> who says, what happened to you then? To which he grittily replies, came off me bike, didn't I? And then another terribly young woman says, core, really? 
Then the next panel shows him on his bike, surrounded by young women, the blondest of which is on the back of the bike with him. And the title of the panel says, Ray becomes a real Pied Piper of fashion. One of the young women said, where'd you get your gear, mate? The next panel shows Ray ruggedly riding off on his motorcycle with the young girl clutching terrified on behind him. And he's looking casually over his shoulder while his scarf whips around him and says, after this ride, how about another one at my place? Question mark. <laughs> so, Nick, now I think, unfortunately, we have to get into the lyrics. Can we get into a little etymology first? Oh, a little etymology, yes. So the girl says core. Core is short for core blimey. Yeah. Which is a minced oath, which is basically like, gosh darn it. Gosh darn it is our way of saying God damn it without saying God damn it. So core blimey is a derivation of God blind me. Yes. Oh, yes. And pied, pied piper, pied means anything having... Two or more different colors. That, that's it. It's that simple. Well, and while we're on the subject of the Pied Piper, Nick, why don't we why don't we break down that reference? Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I know you, you dipped into that research. Oh, yes. So now, presumably, you and most of our listeners are familiar with the, the traditional story of the Pied Piper. Do you, you remember the basic facts about it? Pied Piper of Hamlin? Is that what it... Correct. Oh, yes. Hamlin. Let's see. Hamlin is overrun by rats. Yes. They hire the Pied Piper to to lead the rats out of town. Yep. He does it. They don't pay him. So for revenge, he leads the children out of town. Exactly. Fun little horrifying tale set in the town of Hamlin, presented by the brothers Grimm when they were collecting all of their stories. So the, the weird thing about this and perhaps our Anglo listeners have seen this article that came out a couple months ago on the BBC website. But apparently, the legend is based on an actual historical incident. Oh, my goodness. So if you go to Hamlin, there's a Pied Piper Museum. The The bakeries sell gingerbread rats. You know, like everything is rat-themed. They have a guy <laughs> who they pay to perform the role of the Pied Piper to greet visiting dignitaries who apparently are always coming to Hamlin for whatever reason. But if you go beneath it, if you look on the a plaque which is placed on a timber residence, it reads, A.D. 1284, on the 26th of June, the day of St. John and St. Paul, 130 children born in Hamlin were led out of the town by a piper wearing multicolored clothes. After passing the cavalry near Copenburg, they disappeared forever. Wow. Just to geographically put a pin here, Hamlin is in Germany. Yes, it's in Germany. It's not the town near Rochester, New York. That... That's a different Pied Piper. <laughs> and a different Hamlin, yeah. Right. There is also in the town records in 1384 a lament which reads, it is 100 years since our children left. Wow. So this was something that apparently really happened. And there are a lot of theories about it, some of which are that there was an effort to, because of the political changes in the in Europe, there was a, an effort to Germany to Germanly colonize an area to the to the west. Germanly, <laughs> Germanly, 
to colonize it germanifically, germanishly, with germs. And so there were, you know, apparently efforts to to bring people to that area, and some of those efforts may have been coercive. Yeah, less than savory. Yeah. Another more kind of fancy and, and exciting theory is concerns the documented occurrence of dancing mania. Ah, okay. So there were, you know, the the 1200s were kind of a rough time for people. And so apparently driven by, this is quoting the article now, driven by a succession of pandemics and natural disasters known as St. Vitus's Dance, yeah. the dancing plague is documented surfacing in continental Europe as early as the 11th century, a form of mass hysteria. The dance could be spread from individuals to large groups, all driven by an unshakable compulsion to dance feverishly, sometimes for weeks, often leaping and singing and sometimes hallucinating to the point of exhaustion and occasionally death, like a top that can't stop spinning. Yeah, I think they attributed that to the same thing that the, was it the witch trials? The ergot poisoning? Yeah, something in the grain, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, a mold that would grow in their grain supplies that led to hallucinations and uncontrollable body movements, things like that. Mm, interesting. I will drop this article in the show notes if anyone wants to take a look at it from the BBC. It's it's super fascinating. The thing that's so fascinating about it to me is that, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of historical explanation for why a number of children might have disappeared, but not really any historical explanation as to why they would have been led away by a piper wearing multicolored clothes. Right. Is that what part of the story is that? What does that what does that impart? Why is that a part of the story? I think that, you know, let's for a minute relieve ourselves of speculation in terms of the origin of the piper. But I think it does tap into a primal fear that we as a society have about losing control over our children Mm. outside mysterious forces being able to influence segments of our society and perhaps even the the power of art and the role of the shaman figure musician or boogeyman you know sure it's as recent as as footloose you know it, it's still it's still out there Or the movie It, you know, something tempting our children away from us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there is some substance there. So getting back finally to the song at hand, Ian's reference to being a Pied Piper, while on the surface might seem sort of lighthearted and fun, really is connected to something terribly dark and frightening. Yeah. That his power, he has regained somehow the power to not only be perceived as sexually virile and desirable, but to drive the youth mad. Yeah, he will He will lead the girls from the schoolyard never to be seen again. Never, yikes. To become groupies, I guess, on the road. <laughs> and in a way, you know, connecting back to the theme, isn't that what pop stars do? Yeah, I mean, they are present-day Pied Pipers. They affect, infect the youth. Look at Beatlemania. Yeah. Yeah, Elvis, too, like we mentioned last week. Elvis, yeah. Elvis. 
Look at him. Look, everyone, stop and look at Elvis. <laughs> so I think with all that out of the way, with all the context now that we could possibly stomach, shall we get into the lyrics? Yeah. How do you feel about this song lyrically? Well, Nick, you know, I think that... <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about it, too. I think I think that there, there, we could discuss how problematic it is, and I'm sure that we will, and... You know, and, and and for me, it's it's hard to disconnect this song from my kind of queasy feelings about the entire story yeah. as a whole of yeah. Ray, mm-hmm. which I think probably at the time was more interesting and less of, I don't want to say offensive, but less Problematic. kind of squ- squicky yeah. than it is now. But I, I generally find the story of Ray Lamas not that interesting. It's sort of like... Here we have a guy who used to be sexy and now he's not so sexy and then now he's sexy again. Boo hoo. Yeah. Like, yeah. like <laughs> I yeah, I agree. Like I don't I don't care that much. It's such a shame that this album is so inherently tied to this musical it's it's a double-edged sword for me because i never liked this album until we started talking about it and really digging deep into it but i didn't know that the whole aspect of the musical until then too so now it's also got that that negative side to it and you know i don't want to i don't want to poo-poo the 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 concept of this musical too much because like you know anybody can write a musical about anything and i didn't write it and you know, it, and it's it's musically it's in, it's gotten an incredible value to it, but I just I I guess I guess my question is okay. You know, every story has every successful good story has value. Mm-hmm. So, what is the value, Nick, of the story of Ray? Is it how self-serving is it? Is it really just to stroke Ian's ego here? I don't even think it's about that because I... I don't either. He said that he doesn't identify with Ray, and I believe him. Yeah. And everything that we've seen and read of Ian up until this point, it doesn't seem like a mindset that he would have. No, I don't think so at all. And I and I, the proof in that for me is when we get into the bonus tracks, mm. when we get from the musical material, material that concerns the musical, to Small Cigar. Yeah. It's so clearly Ian's perspective. Yes, right. Right. They those bonus tracks just happen to be written at this same time. So right. sonically they they have a, a similar feel, but context-wise they are they're night and day. So I I don't think, you know, I don't think that Ian is saying like, "Oh yeah, I want to go and have sex with underage S- girls." These like girls, let's yeah. let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say that yeah. he's not saying that. But Ray is saying that and doing that, and that is definitely yeah. problematic. But even even in the bigger context, you know, especially especially at this day and age, when at the time that we're living now, it's hard to get really excited about a story of kind of a mediocre middle aged white dude finding his sexiness again. The age of consent for marriage, i.e. sexual intercourse, was 18 years old in England in the 70s. It was lowered from 21 to 18. 
Right. So there is no there there is there's no like excusing. There's no there's no level of like oh well it's it's a product of the time like like raise a creeper <laughs> plain and simple. I mean I think you know social just <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> yes. To, I think social mores were probably maybe a little more lax sure. but right. but no yeah yeah raise raise for in this context a creeper rabe creeping. So is there anything let's see can we mine out of the slurry of gross sexuality of this song anything of value in terms of Ray regaining his sense of confidence after a near-death experience. Is that is that an interesting storyline? Maybe, but it's also very deus ex machina to me. Yeah. It feels like such a cop-out, and I, I that almost upsets me more than him being a creeper about this song. <laughs> I mean, that that's inherent. That's understood. But the fact that it's such a cop-out, it's like, come on. Right. For me, the story is kind of, Ray used to get laid a lot, and now he doesn't get laid that much anymore. He has a big sad and basically tries to commit suicide on his motorbike. When he comes out of the hospital, miraculously, he's sexy and he gets laid. End of story. (laughs) It's not like he wrecked his face so they had to give him plastic surgery and now he's like a handsome older gentleman. It's it's just that the, the fashion that he refused to give up has come back around again. So it's retro and cool. Right. So he has the virtue of not of being he's, inflexible. He's the, or? he's the original article. He's not even a hipster and having jumped on the bandwagon again, like he's the original piece. Tiki is meowing. Maybe you can hear her. Shall I get her to purr into the microphone? If that is what you wish. <laughs> It'll be more entertaining than than this song. Nice kitty. Okay. Is there anything lyrically that you want to pull out? Let's not even go into the, the full length of this thing. Is there anything that stands out to you in this song? Well, annoyingly, the lyrics are amazing. Like, if you take away their content, they're yeah. so well written. And the scansion is great, though the way he fits it into the music, it's all great. The uh-huh. imagery, uh, the, 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 the rhythm of it, and all the little girls with their bleach blonde curls clump up on their platform soles. And all the little girls with their bleach blonde curls clump up on the platform soles. I mean, the use of the verb clump is so yeah. delightful there. Yeah, it's there's it's it's plosive. It's got some hard consonants which makes it really stand out in the in the flow of the rhythm. The contrast between the the staccato nature of if you ride with yeah. me on a Friday anything goes to so mm-hmm. follow me. If you ride with me on a Friday, anything goes. So follow me. I think we can sum up our entire perspective on this song, or you can sum up the whole plot of the musical in the first two lines of this song. Now, if you think Ray blew it, there was nothing to it. Now if you think Ray Blewett, there was nothing to it. 
Yeah, you you just sat through the last hour and a half for for oh, it's all good now. Don't worry, we're good. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I said this before, but I really I really wish that this song that where we get to it at this song. This is the end of Act One, or or the start of Act Two. Yeah, sure. That that the bike mm-hmm. crash is the end of Act One, and then this is the beginning of Act Two where the actual spiritual journey begins. Cause I, and I think that's what's missing, you know, and, and it's so it's so bizarre, this whole album, because we've seen the other albums. And, you know, maybe this is why we've ended up here, because Ian was tired of writing stuff like A Passion Play or uh, Thick as a Brick that really have those huge, sweeping, spiritual I know, themes. but it's 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 so close to being that. It's so close to having that. It's not... It's, it's not a direct juxtaposition of those. It's he's it's so damn close. I really want him to crash his bike and then have like a major spiritual reawakening and realize that because it's all about it's literally all about like the exterior of Ray. There's nothing about yeah. his interior in this entire in this entire album other, other than his his just stubbornness to hey. evolve and adapt and viewing women as objects. Well, right. As burnt out spark plugs, even. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Dare I say it? Anything <sighs> else for Pied Piper? Beautiful song. Beautiful song. Musically lovely. Take it mm-hmm. out of context. That is the imperative. Take it out of context. And just and just listen to it. <laughs> just listen to it. Yeah. And and while you're at it, pull yourself. A nice, tall, frosty glass of Respect mm. Women juice. Yeah, you can never have enough of that. You cannot overdose on Respect Women juice. You cannot. You know, throw it in a smoothie. It, it works great with savory dishes, too. <laughs> I'll drink to that, Nick. <laughs> yes. Next week, we are on the final track of this album, the final track proper off of Too Old to Rock and Roll. We're going to listen to Checkered Flag, and we'll discuss it. And then and then we have a couple more bonus tracks after that. Three more bonus tracks. So we've got a month left of Too Old to Rock and Roll before yeah. we dive into, oh, baby, the meat, the meat and potatoes of, of Tull for, for us, for, for you and me in particular, Omen, I think. What is this? What is that next album, Nick? Songs from the Wood. Followed by is Heavy Horses right after Songs from the Wood? Yes, it is. Oh Lord. So the twentieth of April all the way to the fifth of October is just going to be. You must forgive us for our incandescence. Put down tarps when you listen to to this album because it's going to be messy. <laughs> Indeed. Well, Nick, until next week when we listen to Checkered Flag. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Respect women. Respect yourselves. Respect us. 
And the best way to respect us is to tell your friends, go on YouTube, comment on all the, the tall videos you can, leave us a, a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, you know, the usual. I would like to come out of a several-month-long coma and discover that Talk Tall to Me is on the top of the pops. There you go. Yeah. I like that one. That's good. And everyone is wearing the stuff that we wear, Nick. <laughs> so sweatshirts and, and work jeans. Yeah, that works. Pretty much. <laughs> Until then, I am the staunch fossil who refuses to bend Nick McGill. I am the impressionable and underage young minx, Omen Said. We are the near-death experience of feckless moans. And this, our lawyers have advised us to tell you, is Talk Tall to Me. What is that? What is that sweet sound? Oh, tis just my magic pipe. Oh, good Hamlinites. I see you have rather an infestation of rats. Yes, they've been eating our grain and pooping on our loaves of bread. Oh, yes, but watch this. Oh, ratty, ratty, form a rat pyramid. Now, backflip, backflip, backflip. Goodness, that fluting is so convincing. How do they do it? Yes, now, now, watch what else I can do. Ooh, look at all the bankers here. <laughs> yes, all the Deutschmarks have now piled up in this wonderful pot. <laughs> oh, convenient. Could you make my husband take out the garbage? I have a tune for that. What else shall I do here in Hamlin? Could you please let the mayor know that Talk Told Me is a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network? Oh, I shall have to get all my flutes together. <laughs> Oh, no, that was the Take Off Your Pants song. Oh. <laughs>